into ESPN Radio. This is the Dan Labatod Show. I am Poppy. <laughs> no, this is actually Gertie Sports. I just heard, because like, I, I listen to Mike and Mike all the time in the morning, so like when it ends, it's just like, oh, the Dan Labatod Show. You know you love it. <laughs> I'm just like, Poppy, you're, you're an old man who probably has a drinking problem. He but is... He's my amusing. Fa- yeah. My favorite part of that show is when he reads the rap lyrics. Oh, either that or it's like the, are you amused? And he's always like, oh, see, yes, very yeah. amused. But anyways, side note, I do like Highly Questionable, as weird of a show as it is. I kind of, I, I like it just because it's a change of pace. I used to hate it and I've, I recently flipped. Yep. No, it's nice. And Dan Lopetard's good, but Monty Jones is kind of strange, but... Alright, but you're not here for ESPN. Yeah, we're not here for that. This is actually you don't like ESPN and that's why you're tuned in here exactly. to the Gritty Sports uh podcast. And we have volume four of season two here for you today. But we have the second volume of the ballad of Ryan and Josh, and that's why I had the intro music, the ballad of Curtis Lowe. And uh we're gonna be going over real quick some of the best ballads of all time and what makes a ballad. And uh so we might have to like get like singing at some points to make this a legitimate ballad Mm. but a ballad is a form of music or a verse that is set to a narrative over music and it started you know way back in the mid uh medieval times and it basically has no requirements other than telling a story uh but it often has 13 lines with an a b a b b c b c form consisting of couplets which are two lines of rhymed verses so it's basically just like a song that repeats itself over and over again with the chorus. Mm-hmm. And some examples here. We have the Rolling Stones top ballads of all time here to kind of just give you an idea of what ballads are in music other than the Ballad of Curtis Lowe and Talladega Nights, the Ballad of Ricky Bobby. Yes. If you don't chew Big Red, <laughs> you guys know the rest. But it, you got Hey Jude... From the Beatles, which obviously they sing na 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 hey Jude like for six minutes, <laughs> so that qualifies it's as art. a ballad. Yeah, it's art. It's actually a good song. I love it for like the little substance it has. You got Freebird from Leonard Skinner. You got Let's Get It On by Marvin Gaye. That classifies as a ballad. Hot. We have Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd. We have Purple Rain by Prince. R.I.P. Uh, we have Let It Be, another song where they just say, let it be, let it be, let it be, <laughs> let it be. And somehow it works. And you let it be. That's what you do. Uh, what else do we got? We got Wild Horses from the Rolling Stones. That classifies. And then, of course, they have the number one ballad of all time. They have Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin. So I think we're somewhere in that top list. We're going to need like a, a backup band at some point. Yeah, we could just put an instrumental I could make. We're doing this on GarageBand. I could easily make a dope beat and. We just should like put either that or like hire a guy. Like, have you ever watched Comedy Bang Bang? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> they have like a backup band that just like plays over like whatever they do. <laughs> so that's pretty funny. There's yeah, actually an episode with Schoolboy Q. It's pretty funny. But uh, shout out to Q. Comedy Bang Bang. But all right, we'll get to the sports now. Crazy sports. Because the last time we had this ballad of us two, it was very informative. It wasn't very funny. I mean, We're not funny. We we bring the analysis and the talk to the show. Will and and John and Tyler they 
They bring the grit. They bring the shock value. Yeah. You know, like they, Stephen A's. They they make us feel blue collar when we're actually white collar commentators. Yeah. <laughs> they're they like, get us down and dirty. Yeah, they're like our Stephen A. Smith and our cow herds to just pot stir. Yep. They just stir the shit around and just <laughs> let it all hang out. So, I mean, it will be a little funny because we have overrated, underrated, and that's always good. And we have a lot of informative stuff either way, but it's going to be a good one. We got the draft. We got... The underrated, overrated segment. Uh, Will wanted to tell me that the peas have officially gone under. Damn. The wasabi peas. R.I.P. peas. He had to sell off his patent and trademark for the, all the lawsuits he was getting for the likeness charges. <laughs> he basically got NCAA football video gamed is what happened. Dang. So he went also out quick with, uh, with a whimper, basically. But <laughs> he'll have more ideas. I'm sure we'll be getting oh, yeah. a little soon. But we'll start at the top. With the most recent happening here, the NBA draft, and we have the review. Hold on, before we go into the draft, I would like to say that the NBA is officially in panic mode. Yes, the yeah. <laughs> I mean, the league has a Warriors problem. Yes. And I don't think it's specifically been said by anyone in the league, but like... They're the problem. Someone should just come out and say it like, hey, we got Chris Paul because like, what else are we going to do? Yeah. It's like we have to get somebody, like they have Kevin Durant and... Steph and Clay and Draymond. It's like, well, who are we going to get? Chris Paul's available? Fine, we'll take it. I don't yeah. care. There's, We need something. Anyone else? Mello yeah. gets Mello, brought out of New York? Sure, whatever. Come on in. And then we'll just work on, like, the NBA Rules Committee and try to see if we can get, like, three basketballs and, like, two rims on each side of the court <laughs> so then they can all play together because that is just not going to work at all. Terrible trade. But that's what happens because everybody's panicking. Everybody who is, like, a top eight seed in the playoffs on either side is just like, what can we do to yes. get us over the hump? Like we're in the playoffs. We get to taste it every year, but it just doesn't matter because we're not, we don't have four superstars. And on like the team. only team that has like a feasible, like foothold of beating the Warriors is just sitting pat and they fired their GM and they're not doing it. They're not saying anything. Yeah. Like it's really quiet in Cleveland right now. Like eerily quiet, not to like say a joke cause they're by the eerie, eerie. lake, but like, just saying. And they share the stadium with the eerie, like, monsters AHL team. Oh, yeah. What, the Lake Monsters I think that's something? what they're called. Yeah. They won the Calder Cup last year when they Cleveland did, was right. the city of champions. I forgot about that. True. Shout out. That was a big year in Cleveland sports. Uh, all right. <laughs> but, yeah, the NBA is in panic mode. Most definitely with CP3. We'll talk about that in the finish. But when you go over drafts, you got... You know, your best, your worst. Oh, D- Daniel Murphy home run, the GOAT. We were watching the C- Nationals whip up on the Cubs, uh, defending World Series championship Cubs, who we will get to later because they're slipping. Slipping. <laughs> they're slipping. It's uh, not a bad thing for me, though. I like no. That. All right, so we got the best draft, the worst draft. I didn't put down a diamond in the rough for some reason, so I'm just going to pick a name. Pick one out of the hat. I'm going to, the best name I can find on Pretty Good Sports by that article from Mead. Mead, yeah. Do it. I'm just going to point out, like, that's my guy. That's the diamond in the rough. All right. And then we have our steel, and that's it. So we'll start with the best draft, and I have two teams for this. Two teams. The, the for Two teams, one team. No teams. No teams. We should all... That's how you could solve the NBA. Everyone line, line up in the everybody middle. Everybody on the center court line, repick. Everybody gets one team captain. All 32 teams, they line up. We have one team captain, and then they just go. And they start with... 
The worst team. No, pick out of a hat. Oh, nice. <laughs> All right, I like that. And Adam Silver has to be involved. Like, yes. the commissioner's chip he is thrown in the hat. there, too. Like, whoever picks up commissioner is commissioner. So if, like, Zach oh. Levine picks up commissioner, he's the new commissioner. And somebody has to pick Adam Silver, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I feel like he could be a five. I don't know. But, uh, they... <laughs> Uh, at some point we're going to have to talk about, because they were talking about on Mike and Mike today, about the five fives, because like how the league's changed to an all three yeah. perspective. It's just like, what if you had five fives on the floor? Well, what Eric, would you do then? Eric, our, one of our few listeners that's always listening, um, he said that, uh, or not he said, whenever we were growing up, you could do NBA 2K like world teams. He would be Australia, and they had five seven-footers you could start at once, <laughs> and he just would put all five of them in. Right. So Eric will have actually originated the five fives so if this happens. So just off the top of your head, what are some of the five fives you would put on your roster if you're trying to compete with Golden State? DeMarcus Cousins is your point guard. That's easy. Do you count Anthony Davis as a five? Could he be I, technically a five? I don't know. He played five a lot for the Pelicans, so you could put him. He would be good two guard. He would be there. Yeah. I want to mark us at my one, though, just because it's confidence, you his know. confidence. I'm putting the, Carl Anthony Towns somewhere in there. Yeah, Carl Anthony Towns. Ooh, he might have to be the one. He, his his ball handling is nice. Yeah. I could put him there, and then DeMarcus Cousins at three. And then Whiteside is going to be Hassan. in mine. Yeah. Either Hassan or DeAndre Jordan. I was going to put, that, like, yeah, I was gonna put Whiteside position. at four and then DeAndre at five. That's all my centers. Dwight Howard coming off the bench. Yeah, six man <laughs> like D Howe. Uh, we'll, ha- we'll have a more specific show for that. It just got my memory jogging. Yeah. I was just like, you know what? Like, they play without a center, so why why can't you play with five centers? Like, five if everyone centers. is so tall, you just put your arms up yep. in the air. You're getting every rebound. Uh huh. I love something, it. Something to think about. Genius. All right. <laughs> Best draft, the Kings. Uh, I picked this because of De'Aaron Fox. I think that's going to be a really good combo with him and Buddy Heald in the back uh, backcourt. It cements an ideal future because things have been a little, like, yeah. what's the word I'm looking for? Like, stanky, I guess, mm. or skanky. And <laughs> <laughs> things have been uh, very, very skanky and not illustrious in San, uh, Sacramento. So I think that's good that they have that backcourt set up. And then they got Harry Giles who last year would have probably been a top-five pick, but he went back, and he tore both ACLs over the last couple of years, so his mm-hmm. value went down. But he's a 6'11 guy with a huge wingspan, so he could fill in really well with the with the Kings. And then just for the T-Wolves, getting Jimmy Butler for a very low price has to be put in there. Yeah, that, I don't even know who they actually drafted. Um, well, I have it up here somewhere. But yeah, the Kings getting Butler... That was unreal. The Bulls maybe had one of the worst trades of all time. Oh, they drafted Justin Patton. Um, I don't really know who that is. From Creighton. Nice. He's a poor man's Carl Anthony Towns at best. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Is that what Meade said? Yeah. All right. He says he's compared to Kelly Olenek, which is not a comparison you want. No, that's not a good thing. Kelly Olenek's a little shithead. Thanks, Meade, at (laughs) prettygoodsports.com. Read the shit that's up. It's good. It's pretty, it's pretty good. good. <laughs> it's not great. It's pretty good. But um, so then my best draft, I'm going to give it to the Orlando Magic. Um, they had a couple first round or a couple draft picks. They traded one away to the Sixers. Um, and uh, but their first pick they made was Jonathan Isaac from Florida State, the big center. And um, 
he will be obviously drafting him that high, probably be put into the lineup immediately down there. And then, But the main reason I chose them was Yvonne Robb. I think he's one of the best, like, un- underrated prospects. Um, going into this past college season, he was really, really hyped up. And then he had a decent year at Cal. Um, he averaged about 10.5 rebounds a game. And he played 32 minutes, so he played a lot of minutes, um, which was good because that was one of the concerns about him was if he was, like, tough enough to last an NBA season. So the minutes was a good thing to see. And he also is a guy with a long wingspan. He's 6'10", but has a 7'2 wingspan, and he has a nice, like, soft touch around the rim. He kind of misplays, like, one of the, like, European centers. I don't really know where he's from. I think he's American, but uh, he has, like, a nice soft touch around the rim. And then their second-round pick is a guy who he's six seven, but has a 7-foot wingspan. Wesley uh, Imundu from Kansas State, really good, like, raw athlete. So they could coach him up. I think they could have three really good players for the Magic um, in the next, like, two years. All right. Well, now we go over to the worst draft. I just put down the Bulls because they gave up Jimmy Butler for mm-hmm. next to nothing, basically. Nothing. They got Zach Levine. And, uh, you know, they swapped draft picks. It wasn't even that big of a swap. And I haven't given up on Chris Dunn yet. That could He could be, like, the deciding factor in whether that trade is really, yeah, really bad or not. Because you know what you're going to get from Zach Levine. Yeah. He's not a terrible exactly. player, but he's not obviously Jimmy Butler. But, you know, kudos to the Timberwolves. Yeah. Again, GMs are in panic mode. Mm-hmm. Panic. They're trying to add as much talent as panic. possible. And, you know, they need to put all the talent in, like, four different teams instead of spreading them out yeah. like this. I, I don't know. Maybe the uh, – I don't even know how to fix it besides just waiting it out at this point. Mm-hmm. Just got to wait it out. But, yeah, worst draft, I got the Bulls. Yeah. My worst draft, I am doing it to the Pacers because they could not – not because of a trade they made, but a trade they didn't make. They didn't get rid of Paul George. Um, I think this is a pretty good draft class. If they could have traded Paul George for a high pick, I th- think that would have been better because now they're going to get rid of him and probably get less. Draft picks, I feel like teams are more willing to give up than players that they know what they're getting from. And then they used their 18th pick that they had on TJ Leaf, who he played at UCLA with uh, Lonzo Ball. So he he was pretty effective, and he was a very efficient scorer, shot a high percentage, and he's one of like the stretch fours with the nice shot outside. But I think a lot of times it was teams were focused on Lonzo Ball. Like He went number two for a reason. He's a really great player. And um, he'll probably play four in the NBA, and a lot of people have compared him to Chandler Parsons in his skill set, which Chandler Parsons hasn't really adjusted well to the NBA with all the shooters out there. When when it, when there were two big men down low, Parsons was more of a threat than he is now. Uh, so I don't really like the way the Pacers drafted or handled the Paul George situation yeah, they should probably just get something from him. Yeah, he's they publicly said he's not staying. Like, yeah, I don't know. they need to do something with him. They're getting greedy. They're just like, if we let him go, we're gonna be really bad. It's like you're already really you're, bad. Uh, <laughs> it already doesn't matter. You're already not good. All right, moving on now to our diamonds in the rough. I found mine. I got Caleb Swanigan from Purdue. Fuck you! I literally <laughs> picked. And I switched to him. I was originally gonna do the uh, the Wizards guy, but then I was like, no, I forgot about Caleb Swanigan. Yep, I just remember the name, and like I was yeah. watching him during the Big Ten tournament, and he was just bullying all those white centers. Yeah, he was just giving them bows. He was and nice, getting nasty. Now he's a Portland Trailblazer. 
Uh, they have him down as a power forward. I think he could do that or play the five. Uh, he's listed at 6'10", 247. Uh, he got picked 26 overall, so pretty far down there. So expectations are low. Um, and if they get you know any kind of good offense down low for Portland this year, it'll be an upgrade over last year. Yeah, hold on. I need to look up the Wizards guy again because I completely forgot. But he's uh, he's a small guy from somewhere. I can't remember. You threw me off so bad. I was so mad at you. <laughs> I can't even find his name. Is it Delvin Robinson? I can talk yeah. about my steal while you look no, for him. Screw you, Josh. <laughs> Stole my guy. So Ryan's looking for his diamond in the rough. We correlated on literally every other pick to make sure we didn't have the same guys, and I was like, Josh isn't going to pick Caleb Swan again. He doesn't watch basketball. He's not going <laughs> to even know who that is. Purdue, baby. All right. Well, we're Oh, going. yeah, because your mom went to Purdue. Yep. That's what it was. So diamond in the rough. Ryan's looking for his, aren't we all? Sad life. Uh, so my steal of the draft, though, I'm going with Malik Monk at 11, uh, 6'3 guard. I thought he was the best shooting guard in the draft. Um, he's probably one of the best shooters as well. They're talking about Jason Tatum being a great shooter. I think Malik Monk's just as good, good inside, mid-range, three-point jumper. He's got it all. Went to Kentucky, got groomed perfectly from Calipari. And I think when it's all said and done, he'll be one of the best players in this draft. And if you can get a top three player in a draft at 11, hallelujah. Uh I actually am going to switch. My, I was going with one Wizards guard that they picked in an undraft free agency. Wizards are picking up a lot of players right now. I'm sure a lot of you guys saw they got a G League team. I'm really excited uh, for that. So what's the difference We've been between needing D League it. and G League? It's just they changed their name. Gatorade bought the naming uh, rights. Yeah, it's the same thing. But the Wizards haven't had a team for literally forever. If we if we drafted a guy and we didn't have a place for him, like we could ask other teams, like, hey, do you mind – putting our player on your team and then they're just not the coaches aren't going to pay as much attention to him and stuff so it's kind of a waste but we did it a couple times um but we have a g league team now so a lot of these guys aren't going to make the wizard roster but we'll still keep them around the organization but i'm going to go with a different guard chris jenkins from villanova i'm sure a lot of people remember his uh heroic shot in the NCAA title game. I'm glad John Harrell's not here for me to bring this up because he would be <laughs> really, really upset. But Jenkins is a, a native of this area. He was from Upper Marlboro, Maryland, played or went to Gonzaga High School, which is a really like famous uh, athletic school in the area. So nice to see him come home and um, maybe John Wall will teach him a thing or two. He's, I think he's a good player, and you know he has that, like, instinct to, after making that shot in the biggest stage in basketball pretty much the NCAA tournament and then my steal I'm going with Josh Jackson because I know he was only at four it's like crazy to think that he was Seems a steal like but I a top three. he was a, he should have gone at three I could not believe that the Celtics passed up on him and uh, let him go to the Suns. He will fit perfectly in there. Um, he's at a position that I feel like they needed. They have Devin Booker and uh, Dragon Bender and Marquise Chris. All of the, four of those guys will be with them for the next like foreseeable future mm -hmm. if they can keep them together. And all of them are under 20 years old. So uh, the Suns just uh, have a really, really strong 
young core, so they're going to be dangerous. Uh, when they're just kind of uh, maybe taking the approach of waiting it out with the Warriors. Like, we're not even going to try to compete with them now. Yeah. But maybe, it's just like how the East yeah. should have been doing that with LeBron for, like, the last decade. Mm-hmm. Like, no one realized it until, like, it was, like, year five of him making the finals in a row, and they were just yeah. like, shit, like, <laughs> what have we been <laughs> trading away all these draft picks for? It's just like, why did... You look at uh, what, the Nets. Yeah. Look at the Brooklyn Nets. They trade away all those first-round picks. That's why the Celtics are good. Yeah. So they could get an over-the-hill Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce. Yeah, I was about to say, I think the Celtics were in on the mindset of, yeah. we're going to wait for LeBron to retire, and they just thought he would already be done by and now. that's why they keep <laughs> drafting people instead yeah. of trading. Like, a lot of people are just expecting them to make these huge moves with Danny Ames, but, like, it's not necessarily needed. Like, all they're doing is, what did they do this draft? They traded the one to move back to three and get one later. So yep. they're just getting later picks. Later exactly. Because eventually LeBron's going to stop being the T-Rex of the NBA. Yeah. Someday. I don't, it's going to be a weird day when that happens. I hope it never happens. I hope right. basically he's 50. But that's, that's the NBA draft. You can check that out. Also the uh, draft primer from Meade. And I'm sure they're going to have something regarding the recap on Pretty Good Sports at some point. Yeah. So check that out. That's our, our sister site, I guess, at this point. Our, our host, dad. our daddies. Our daddies. We're just little <laughs> podcast boys, and these are our daddies. All right, we're moving on now to the MLB Midseason Awards for the uh, All-Star Game coming up in the next couple of weeks. da 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 All right, so we have the NL coach and the AL coach. We'll start with that with the managers. Uh, with the NL, I'm going to go with Tony Lovello. I think that's how you say it. From the Arizona Diamondbacks, he's got the backs off to a 50-28 and 28 start this season. They're one and a half behind the league-leading L.A. Dodgers. And who the hell expected the Diamondbacks to be competing for a pennant? Yeah, I know. Um, I That's why I know we're going to get there later, but I had Goldschmidt as my uh, National League yep. MVP because they've just been so dominant. Um, my NL manager is... Gonna be Dusty Baker. I'm gonna be kind of a homer during this segment, <laughs> really bad because the Nationals are playing such good baseball. Besides the bullpen, which will hopefully be figured out, Coda uh, Glover was saying was starting to come back, but then he said he had some inflammation, I think, in his shoulder. Um, so he'll be a, he'll take a little more time to get back. But so I've been all Nationals brain, a lot of baseball brain lately. That's all we really have to cling to at this point, so you can't blame me. No. But um, Nationals are eight and a half games ahead of the Braves in the NL East. Uh, The second best, or third best winning percentage in the uh, NL. So, Nationals are just playing good baseball. They've lost, uh, they've been 500 in the last 10 games, so been slipping a little bit, but we're playing really well against the Cubs, and that's encouraging considering they are the reigning champions. And they're, they're the cream still, of the crop. They're still a At great that's team. that's what they tell you. Yeah, they're still a good team, even though I will say they're slipping when we get there. <laughs> All right, uh, AL coach or manager, I'm going with A.J. Hinch, the Houston Astros manager, 52-26, and 26, the best record in the American League. Uh, for the midseason awards, it's kind of easy to give out some of them. It's just yeah. who's performing the best. It's not really opinion based. Yeah, I was gonna give it to AJ Hinch. Also, he's just uh, he's been a great coach for the past couple years. Or ever since he first showed up, took them to the wild card yeah. his first season. Um, but yeah, if I wasn't gonna go with him, um, 
I would probably go with uh, Terry Francona on the Indians. They're still trucking along there in first place in their division. Yep. Pretty when you look at their roster, pretty average talent wise roster. Um, they're not in the best division when Kansas City isn't really good. Yeah, so, the Royals, man. I don't know what's been happening yeah. to them. Yeah, I don't know what they've really been doing either. But um but yeah, so the Cleveland Indians, they're them just chilling in first place. Not chilling, they're only a half game ahead of the twins, but uh, doing a good job with not the best talent up there. All right. Now we got NL best and ALS um, best. I'll just do them both together here. I got the LA Dodgers for the National League right now. Uh, 33 and 11 at home. It's important to win games at home, especially deeper into the season. It becomes very important. And with their ridiculous run differential of plus 138. Yeah. That's impressive. And then that is really for, good. The, for the AL, the Astros, um, even more impressive. They have a good record at home, but they're 29 and 9. On the road, and even more important than defending home turf is going to the round and getting some wins in their barns. So, mm-hmm. very important. And they have a uh, run differential of plus 117. And the Astros might have the most talent in yeah. the American League, just talent based. I agree. Um, but yeah, the NL team, I would agree the Dodgers will probably be there representing if the Nationals are not. I hope for Dodgers Nationals uh, uh, NL conference series because that would be a great series to watch but i give i would give the nod to the dodgers because kershaw just has the ability to pitch so much like whenever we played them last time he came in as like a reliever yeah in like the seventh and inning and like one three days rest. yeah yeah after just a couple of days rest it's like uh he's like an animal he's so yeah he really is um so i would say the dodgers from there and then i heard the Yankees were talking about making moves, and one of the guys they're talking about making moves on was Johnny Cueto, for who we talked about last podcast as him being overrated. I thought he was overrated, um, but if they they could make a move on him, he would still help their roster. And Aaron Judge is still like a beast, even though we like to say he will uh, he will fall off eventually. But he'll fall off next year. That's yeah. what I think is going to happen. It's usually you put together entire seasons. Yeah. But that's a good uh, plug-in now. We'll do the MVP, and then we'll do the Cy Young. Uh, but the AO MVP for me has got to be Aaron Judge. Um, yeah. When you're the first in the three major categories that they consider for the Triple Crown, batting average, home run, and RBIs, you kind of just have to defer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not a huge Yankees fan. I don't think I hate them, really. I'm kind of indifferent. Yeah. I know if Tyler was here, he'd be very upset with my judgment. But Aaron Judge at 333 batting average, 26 homers, and 60 RBIs. Those are all first marks in the American League. Yeah, uh, he's like the easy pick. Um, he's a big fucker, too. He's so he's big. Huge. He's so big. It's like weird. And he's pretty like fast. Like, he gets moving. Like, he um, could be a tackle in the NFL if he yeah. didn't want to play baseball, basically. Because um, he's a little bit too big to be a tight end, I think. Yeah, I agree. But um, I would, yeah, if I wasn't going to go with Aaron Judge, he, like, obviously runs away with it because of those stats. But um, I would go with Jose Altuve yeah. at the, with the Astros. He is hitting 324, 396 uh, on-base percentage, and... Um, he has 11 home runs, so he's doing pretty good in that department. 36 RBI. Only struck out 43 times. Um, 
It's pretty good considering he has uh, uh, how many times he goes to bat for the Astros. He's pretty high on their lineup, so he's been really consistent for them. And considering the Astros' success, he could get uh, some MVP nods. All right, looking over now to the NL. Uh, this one's up for a little bit more debate, but yeah. I ended up going with Paul Goldschmidt, and I think you already said you did as well. Just yeah. based on the fact that he's leading a team that's not supposed to be where they're at, and he leads in war, even though you don't think that's a crazy stat. I hate war. Yeah. Dumb but he, stat. He does lead in war, which is wins above replacement. Uh, he also leads in RBIs with 65, fourth in batting average with a 340 average in seventh or eighth. I think he might be tied for seventh with 18 homers. Guess what? Hmm. He's not going to start in the All-Star game because Ryan Zimmerman is. Really? I hope so. I think Ryan Zimmerman was leading in votes last time I checked, but I haven't checked in a while. Are the Nats fans just making a crazy push this year? No, Ryan Zimmerman, you know, you said he was fourth in batting average. Ryan Zimmerman's third in batting average. (laughs) Zimmerman's having a hell of a year. He uh, He has 19 home runs. Goldschmidt has 18. Uh, Goldschmidt only, he has six more RBI, but, um, Zimmerman has been crushing it. I've been re- I was ready to say Ryan Zimmerman was just done. I no, you, have you not, you haven't heard anything about him this year? I Dude, haven't watched any baseball. He yet. is balling right now. Like, um, but I was going to say if, cause I knew you were probably going to go with Goldschmidt also. So I was going to say Daniel Murphy is also making a strong case for, uh, for an MVP award. He has 54 RBI behind Zimmerman and Goldschmidt, of course, and a couple other guys. But um, he's just one of the most consistent hitters, and I feel like he gets better as the season goes on. He is always refining his swing. Murphy's hitting 340 right now. Um, That's tied for second with Zimmerman in uh, the NL. So uh, Daniel Murphy could pull away later in the season. And then, of course... um, Zimmerman, like I said, if him and Goldschmidt have identical numbers at the end of the year and the Nationals end up uh, with a really high record, Zimmerman might even get a couple votes. So there's a couple, there's two guys on the Nationals roster who could receive some MVP nods. So a wise man would say that the Nationals are playing good baseball, Mm -hmm. just based off that. Yeah, we could have, like, uh, we could have Zimmerman starting in the All Star game, uh, Murphy, Rendon, and Bryce Harper. All starting. Wow. Yeah. That would be something for a meaningful game. It's not just exactly. you know, a crap shoot. You know, rah, oh, Bryce rah, Harper crap. just went head first in the second. Oh, he's okay. His hair's, his hair's a little messed up, though. That's all, scary. all the babes in that park just uh, yeah. got a little moist. <laughs> all right, so moving on now to the sleeper teams. We got the American League. I'm going to go with the Anaheim Angels of Los Angeles. They're 41-40, and 40, and they've been treading water ever since Mike Trout left. So if they can stay at 500 without Mike Trout, they got a decent shot to maybe go 10 to 15 games above 500 in the baseball. Could be a wild card spot. Yeah. So I'm going to go with the Angels. And um, a team we were talking about earlier is slipping. I was going to say my super team is the Kansas City Royals. Uh, they've just been kind of asleep at the wheel, it seems like, this season. They're, their roster, I feel like the talent there didn't change that much. Um, over the past few years, but they just uh, aren't really putting it together. They've been six and four in the last ten games. They're only two and a half games back uh, in their division, and with the Minnesota Twins and Indians above them, and both of those teams could start slipping. Uh, 
Twins are only at uh, four games above 500, so pretty tight AL Central, and uh, the Royals have had success late in seasons recently. Uh, NL sleeper team. I'm going to go with the Chicago Cubs at 39 and 38. I mean, I love seeing them flounder, and I <laughs> love seeing them just really, really suck out there right now. But at some point, this team is just way too talented. And as much as I hate, you know, the media covering Joe Madden and how great he is, he's a top-notch manager, A1 guy. They're going to get it going eventually. Now, right now, I think they're still in the middle of this slip with what happened with Miguel Montero yesterday calling out um, Jake Arrieta at the game and allowing seven steals for the Nationals. Four of those were trade turn. <laughs> He's a beast. crazy. But we'll talk about Miguel a little bit later on. But I think at some point the Cubs will stop the bleeding, they'll start winning ball games, and they'll end up probably winning the NL Central. Um, this team is not going to win their division um, because the Nationals are. But um, the, a team that can make a run at the wild card, and then who knows what could happen once you get – into the playoffs. The Atlanta Braves have, they were terrible to start the season. Um, like terrible until pretty much the last like few weeks. Um, in their last 10 games, they've been eight and two and, um, they're creeping up on 500 now, uh, after their terrible start. So the Braves could be a sleeper team, um, coming through a lot of the other divisions seem almost, well, uh, the central could be anybody, but I think the NL East and West are pretty much settled in who's going to win there. Um, but the Braves could make a push for the wild card, and then who, who knows? All right, checking back now before we get to the slipping team, we got the Cy Young candidates. And the NL is basically a two-man show between Max and Kershaw. Um, everybody, I'm sure, knows the stats. They've probably been beat to death with the head-to-head. But I think Max is first in ERA and then and he's second in, win, uh, second in wins and then it's vice versa for Kershaw and Max is first in strikeouts I'm sure Kershaw's like second or third so it's, it's a close one for there so I just put it as a, as a combo I could really go either way but on the AL side I went with Jason Vargas from the Royals he's really the only guy balling out there mm-hmm. uh, he's first in every category um, with uh, ERA wins and strikeouts in the American League, so shout out Vargas. Never heard of that guy before I looked him up today. <laughs> yeah, um, Chris Sale is also doing a great job. I'm glad Adam wasn't going to mention not here and Tyler's not here. I know, but they're not here, so I feel like I can say it. Sale is uh, leading the AL in strikeouts at 155, um, and then he also has a, one of the best ERAs. He's in third at 277. Um, behind your boy Vargas that you were just talking about. And he's one of the guys and a reason why I think the Royals could uh, could turn out. I couldn't think of his name when we were talking about him, but I'm glad you brought him up now. But yeah, he, And Sale also has 10 wins uh, behind Vargas. So he could also make a push for the Cy Young, but I hope he doesn't get it. <laughs> All right. Uh, and last but not least for our midseason awards gritty style, we got the slipping team. In the NL, I have the Milwaukee Brewers just because they are the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah. They're a team that doesn't have that much talent. They've been treading, they've been doggy paddling giant waves uh, throughout the division to this point. 
Um, they're only like one game ahead of the Cubs and like four ahead of the mm-hmm. Pirates and Cardinals. And I expect all those teams to have a better second half with how they're performing. And they're twenty-one and twenty-two at home. That was like one of the bigger things when the Brewers were good is that they were unbeatable at home. No longer the case. And their run differential, which is you know a big stat for me in baseball, because eventually that does add up. There's not usually that many statistical anomalies, but they're only plus eleven on the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not very impressive or convincing yeah. at all. And it's uh, the Brewers again. Yeah, and the Brewers. Um, my slipping team is the Cubs, not just because they're in a series against Nationals right now and they're playing like trash. Hot garbage. They're playing like hot garbage, but they just uh, seem to just. Be a mess um, in their own heads, too. Uh, what was that catcher's name that spoke out? Miguel Montero. Yeah, Miguel Montero spoke out against uh, the pitchers letting so many Nationals base runners run, and then he gets set down right to the right to AAA. So that just kind of shows like a weak clubhouse, in my opinion, that just a little statement like that would immediate a response like that extreme. Um, so... There's some the Cubs are shook right now. I think the Cubs are shook. They're flustered. Yeah, they they haven't been in this position in a while because the last two years they just did everything they were supposed to. So this is just one of those seasons where they got to dig deep and just win games mm-hmm. the old-fashioned way. Yeah, because they have so much talent, but they're just they're head cases right now. But baseball's a long season, so yep. there's time for them. for them. Yeah, if it was the NFL, they'd already be toast. Yep, they would be toast, just like the Panthers were. <laughs> Sorry, Joe. Uh, and last but not least, the AL. I have the Twins. Uh, they're yeah. somehow over 500, but they have a negative 48 run total, and their pitching is god awful, terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, my slipping. I'm gonna go with the Red Sox. Nice. <laughs> Do you have any basis for that? <laughs> no, because I just hope that they just fall apart in Tyler. Hope they fail and bomb. Yeah, and I hope it just advances Tyler's alcoholism like four stages farther. Oh, geez. <laughs> he skips like steps like three through seven. And yeah, just goes right to eight, where it's just like you need to have a flask on you at all times. Yeah, that's where I want Tyler to be because of just this a monumental collapse that the Red Sox have. But see, like that's just like. It's a double whammy because if they're playing poorly, he drinks, and when they're winning, he drinks. It's true. It's true. It's a <laughs> double-edged sword. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> if the Red Sox are playing on a weekend and they're losing by a 10, he's blackout, and if the Patriots win the Super Bowl, he's blackout. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. The only difference is he makes more money to buy more alcohol. <laughs> That's true. All right. <laughs> Tyler, come on the podcast. We miss you, kind of. Kind of. All right, now we go to underrated, overrated, our new segment. Um, gaining a lot of following on Twitter. Lots of uh, trending hashtags for this category. We've had a lot of people DMing the show and asking what to do. We have ignored all of them to Slide this point. Slide in our DMs. They've given me suggestions. I have said, no, this is my segment. We said... I will make it. And anybody had been to my apartment at JMU, we pointed to no the, request. the no request sign. No requests. And this ties in well because we're talking about rappers in the current state of hip-hop. And Lit. NFL head coaches. Lit. So I feel like John Harrell should be here for this. He would. I feel like he would thrive in this segment. He he would be great. He would be fantastic. Maybe we can get his Twitter reaction later yeah, on. Yeah, maybe. All right. So, do you want to take the underrated coach or the overrated rapper to start? Uh, I'll do underrated coach to start. All right. 
I'm going to go with Andy Reid. Because I know that he hasn't been able to get over the hump. He's not flashy. He's he's not flashy, and he is a guy, like, whenever he went into the Chiefs and inherited Alex Smith over there, he was like, this is good enough. Yeah, like, I, I can, can make I can this work. This. And that's, like, completely different than the style of team he had when he was in Philadelphia with, like, McNabb or with, like, Vic and all that and stuff. And Westbrook, yeah. It, it, those were completely different teams, and he's just been able to adapt um, throughout his career to what he what talent he's been provided with. And clearly the um, ownership there doesn't think he's been provided with enough talent after they can their GM. Yeah. Um, so I think uh, – and there's a reason they can just the GM and not yep. Andy Reid. They can see what kind of like a Well, Andy Reid, he he's one of those coaches in the NFL that has tenure basically. Yeah, like, he does. A guy like Tom Coughlin was like that for a really long time too. Mm-hmm. Like, you couldn't get rid of him. I feel like he left the Giants instead of getting fired, if I'm being yeah. honest. But, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of guys like that, and, you know, walruses are really good at adapting to their environment. Uh-huh. So, like, no, they're Andy not. Well, you better really hope good. they are, because Trump is going to burn down all of the icebergs. All of them? All the icebergs. Can you burn an iceberg? He's going to put coal on them and just <laughs> light them on fire. That would be something to see. <laughs> Fourth of July spectacular. Yeah. Burning the ice caps. All right, overrated rapper. I'm bringing the heat. I'm going with Kendrick Lamar first. And oh my gosh, Kendrick That's Lamar. That's so intense. Kendrick Lamar is overrated. <sighs> now, don't let me, you know, don't let that at home in your ears on your head tops make that say Josh Wagner hates Kendrick Lamar because that's not what it means. Yeah, that's definitely not true. That's not what it means. It's it, you know, if, if someone who's really into Kendrick is listening to this right now, they probably just turned off the podcast and didn't listen. That's fine. Whatever, but. Since when has Kendrick done something that has been huge? It just seems like he was given the keys to the kingdom by the hip-hop industry after Good Kid Mad City. You're not wrong. And since then, like, all right, To Pimp a Butterfly is good if you're under the influence of certain things, and then, damn, it was all right. You know, I could have went without a few songs on damn. Good Kid Mad City, front to cover, or front to back, cover to back, was all great. From the very beginning to the very end, loved every song, can still sing them all when I hear them on my iPhone, but back in the day I was like listening to my iPhone 3 when I first started, but I don't know, it just seems like with other rappers, you know, like Drake or like J. Cole, it just seems like they've had to put out a lot more music and a lot more like consistent Mm -hmm. music, and Kendrick's just kind of playing around with what he's doing because he already has that label, and I don't know who gave him the pedestal, I don't know where it came from. I'm just saying I don't agree with it. Dang. Damn. You know what? I'm, I'm, since you went at Kendrick, my overrated rapper, Jay-Z. I have him too. Yes. <laughs> of course I have Jay-Z. I'm so glad. Jay-Z hasn't made a memorable record since like 2005. Yeah. And I think he, he gets... died before Lil Wayne died. <laughs> You're not wrong. But and Little Wayne has come back since then for features. Yeah, yeah. Jay Z hasn't come back. No, Jay Z's still um, dead. Except for those like two lines in the Drake song. Oh yeah, and then that uh, what the duet with Justin Timberlake yeah. or whatever that Magna Carta. Yeah, Holy Grail. I hate that song. Yeah, so I don't like it. And watch the throne. He got piggybacked through the whole thing. Don't at me, John Harold. <laughs> he got piggybacked by Yay. Yeah. All right. We all know it. He knows it. 
He hasn't done anything. All he's done is flip money for title. That's like the biggest thing he's done. Mm-hmm. He's had two more kids. Yeah, and he has his like Rock Nation, uh, like oh, agent, yeah, his agency, his business. agency stuff. He's just a good businessman. He's not he a is. good rapper. He's a businessman. I'm a businessman. <laughs> All right, that's that's not bad. But yeah, Jay Z yeah. overrated. So I guess we'll just we'll talk about another underrated coach, and then we'll do a uh, underrated rapper. My underrated coach, I got Jason Garrett, and I know you're not going to love this pick, but I just think being in Dallas with all that scrutiny and all that pressure that's constantly coming in your face, with Jerry Jones basically being right behind you through every process, a lot of coaches in the league, they have separation between ownership and coaching their team. That doesn't exist in Dallas. Jerry Jones is at the practices. You know, he probably knows the playbook, you know, play for play. He knows what's going on. If he wanted to, he'd get on the mic and tell Jason Garrett what plays to run. Jason Garrett's able to adapt and be mature enough to understand the situation. And last season was such a huge turnaround from 4-12 and to 12-4. and I know Dak Prescott played really well. I know Zeke played really well. But just, you know, guiding a team through that has got to, you know, get some respect. Um, my overrated coach, I think I'm going to go with Bill O'Brien. I think he's kind of just been riding on the coattails of being like, yeah, I was with like Belichick and yep. then like And then he was with Penn State. And then he was like to, two years. Yeah, he was at Penn State and he was like, Yeah, and I was at Penn State and you know like Penn State, they're great, right? Like, yeah, go Penn State. No, they were Penn like State what well, yeah. They were great like twenty years ago. But, and they're okay now. And now they're okay. Yeah. And when you were there, they were okay. So I feel like he's kind of just been riding on the coattails of like having all these big names on his resume and like the Texans are being like five hundred ish, uh, and they didn't have JJ Watt last year. So would it be uncorrect to say that Bill O'Brien is riding the coattails of children's sexual assault? You're not wrong. Because he just he came in when like, yeah. Joe Paterno died and nobody and, else wanted it really. And nobody else wanted the job and he took a team that was like you know, super good. They lost a bunch of guys, and then he went like seven and three and eight and four, and they were mm-hmm. just like, "Wow, he changed the culture." Yeah, didn't change shit. Yeah, Franklin's like, the one changing the culture right now. He got out and left. I mean, I don't blame him for it, but no. Yeah, and he's riding the coattails of J.J. Watt as well. He yeah. hasn't found a legitimate quarterback to. He can't determine between Osweiler, who he wanted so bad they paid out the ass for him last that was offseason, so stupid. and then he replaces him with Tom Savage. Who I watched Savage. every Saturday like three years ago. Terrible quarterback, even at the college level. There's yeah. no way he's going to be good at the NFL level. So, I mean, I, I completely agree with that pick. For underrated rapper, I have Mac Miller. In our circles, he's not underrated, just between us guys. But mm-hmm. nat- like nationally, nationwide, I feel like there are not enough people that are listening to Mac Miller. And I'm not talking about the kids, Mac Miller, or like, you know party on fifth Ave, blue slide park like good am is one of the best albums of the last five years mm-hmm. just it's, every every track on it is really good it's quick it's emotional uh the feminine divine which he put out afterward i thought was awesome as well good features really good flow to the whole thing i think mac miller's not getting his his day in the sun is basically what i'm saying yeah i would agree um i think I'm torn between two people for my underrated. Um, 
The first one is Big Sean. Just not because I know everybody knows who Big Sean is, yeah. but I feel like he he should be tossed around much more with being like one of the best current rappers right now. Like the a lot of the stuff, the last few albums he's come out with have been like so good, and um, I just feel like he doesn't get hyped up enough. Like people don't ever throw his name around up there with like the top tier rappers. Well, and I think like maybe part of the reason are people like me. Like I was a huge fan of Dark Sky Paradise, and like after that, that's mm-hmm. how I felt. I was just like, you know what? Like Big Sean is really freaking good. Yeah, we should start to talk about him. And then I I didn't like the new album, and I've listened to it so many it times now. Oh yeah, I know and you I don't like it. I can't get into it. I, I don't, don't understand. Know what the problem I don't. Is. I don't know what it is. It's a, it's you. the same problem with me and the new Young Thug album too. Like I just I don't like it. I don't know why. Easy breezy, breezy beautiful thug. I think girls. it's because I have family that works for the PR department of CoverGirl, and it's oh, been causing them is. a lot of stress. And you don't like to see country billies make millies. <laughs> I just don't like mustard stains on t-shirts, bro. That's Ernie Grunsfeld's problem. That's, uh, that's off-putting as hell. But yeah, I mean, besides that, Big Sean's really good. Like, Dark Sky Paradise is one of the best albums I've heard in a while. Top to bottom. Um, uh, oh, wait, I had another uh, one I wanted to say also. Ty Dolla Sign. Really? I love Ty Dolla Sign, and I feel like... Oh, it, I think it's... Oh, no, I don't think it's... It's just, like, lagging for some reason. Um... We'll find out. But uh, Ty Dolla Sign, his album Campaign that came out um, at the end of last year is one of the best, um, has been one of the best albums since it's came out. I listen to it all the time. It's just one of those albums you can throw on and just leave on. And uh, I feel like people don't really appreciate it that much. All right. Now look at it, overrated coaches. I'm going to bunch two of the ones I have here together. And we can talk an underrated coach and an overrated rapper. But I have Mike McCarthy and John Harbaugh. Both guys have tremendous respect around the league. Uh, I understand why people are so big on Mike McCarthy and how the Packers are just always able to pull things out their asses. But, like, I don't I don't think that's the way it ought to Aaron be. Rogers yeah. Aaron, Ma- <laughs> Aaron Rodgers is the magic man. Aaron Rodgers is the magic man. Mike McCarthy gave up calling plays to do other things for some reason, then went back to it and was great at it, and then gave it up again. So I, I feel like he can't figure out what's going. He's yet to put together a defense or like a defensive system that works at all for Green Bay. They've had a terrible defense the last couple of years. I just think Aaron Rodgers, like you said, he's the magic man, and Mike McCarthy's kind of just playing off of that. I think his organization could be better as far as his offense and defense goes. The Packers should be, like, 13-3 and three every year. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think the offense is pretty much all Aaron Rodgers at this point. I can't imagine it's Mike McCarthy. It's all improvisation. Yeah. I mean, I guess, like, I give him credit, but I don't even know if it, it was his idea to put Ty Montgomery at running back. Like, I don't know who's I think it was more out of necessity. Yeah. <laughs> he kept Eddie Lacy around far too long. I know that much. Yeah. Fat bastard. <laughs> um, what's next? Uh, next up, we have an uh, an underrated. Oh, I was gonna talk about John Harbaugh. Fuck the Ravens. I mean, that's all I really have yeah. to say. And Joe and, Flacco is not elite. And Joe Flacco is not elite. And it just seems like he's supposed to be a defensive guy. The Ravens' defense has not been that good lately. All the older stars are leaving that came around the Ray Lewis era, which had nothing to do with John Harbaugh. It was Brian Billick. Mm-hmm. Um, and John, I don't know. I just don't like him at all. 
Something rubs me the wrong way about him. And, like, what have they done yeah. lately since winning that Super Bowl? Like, I feel like they've made the playoffs once since then. Not good no. for them. Uh, now for an overrated rapper and a underrated coach, and then we'll wrap this up. Overrated rapper for me is g Easy. I hear yes. him way too much on the radio airwaves. I don't think he's good at all. I only liked one of his songs, which was Me, Myself, and I. I listened to it like ten times in two days, and I never listened to it again. Mm-hmm. If you want a, a rapper like g Easy, listen to Logic. Much better. I agree with that. Um, and also go to their concerts and you can hang out with a bunch of high schoolers. Dude, it's so <laughs> weird, man. When I went to that concert, it was a bunch of high schoolers. Dressed like astronauts. <laughs> yeah, it was so strange, dude. I've uh, never been to a concert quite like it. My underrated rapper is, or I mean overrated rapper, is French Montana. Yes. I don't like French Montana at all. I I know last week my track of the week was Unforgettable, and that's all because Sway Lee. Do not get it confused. That had nothing to do with French Montana. It was all Sway Lee. Um, I like French Montana as features. I think he does good as a feature for, like, one verse, so he can say, like, ha, and, like, and say he's a coke boy baby and all that stuff that he says in every single song. But, um, oh, another home run for the Nationals. Oh, no, it wasn't. Damn, you're running out the score on them. Oh, that was a home run for the Cubs. There was just a lot of people celebrating. There was just a lot of Cubs in that section, I guess. Um, But, yeah, so French Montana is super overrated. He has a new album coming out. Don't care. <laughs> oh, also, just while we're talking about new albums, don't waste your time and listen to DJ Khaled's album. Trash. It's so bad. The one with Chance. I think he literally oh let Assad make it. God, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> that, he kept saying bastard baby. Assad was, like, the executive producer, and it was like, oh, he's just, like, uh, it's a joke. Like, he's a baby. He doesn't really make beats. I think Assad literally made the entire album. I already hate that baby. I don't even like babies. They look weird. Yeah, I don't like babies, but Assad is probably going to be, like, the most spoiled kid ever. We should poke his soft spots if we ever see him. (laughs) (laughs) Just play with him. But his matching suits with Gucci Mane at the BT's Worlds were hype. That was hype. Um. All right, so we're all done with underrated, (laughs) overrated. Uh, I had one more underrated. I had uh, Dirk Cutter down there for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah. I think he deserves some recognition. And one last... uh, Underrated Jim Caldwell with the Lions. I think he's doing a good job. Of Even there. though he's like almost getting fired, he's every almost year. getting fired every <laughs> single year. He's always on the hot seat, and it it looks like it doesn't really bother him at all, which no. contributes to why I think he's underrated. He doesn't care. He doesn't. All right, moving on to the last segment here of the day before we get to the gritty finish. We got fantasy running backs, extremely mediocre. Please do not listen to too much of this. This is just more of when you hear this, do the opposite type of thing. Yeah, but. Uh, I like to think we do a decent job. So here we go. We got the number one running back for fantasy football in 2017. My selection is Le'Veon Bell. Big shocker to anyone out there. 105 rushing yards a game last season. 51.3 passing yards per game. For those of you that aren't good at math, that's around 160 total yards from scrimmage a game for Le'Veon Bell. Uh, He had 616 yards receiving and 75 catches with a total of 94 targets through the air. Uh, Le'Veon Bell will touch the ball 15 to 20 times every time he sets mm-hmm. foot on the field. He makes it happen. Um, it's hard to pick between him and Dustin. Or uh, what's his name? Is it Dustin Johnson? No, it's not Dustin. David Johnson. David Johnson. Yeah, that's there's too many pick, DJs in the world right now. Dustin Johnson's the golfer with the hot wife. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So I'm going with Le'Veon, but you could go with DJ. You could go with Zeke. You could probably even go with Julio, honestly. But number one, I'm going with Le'Veon Bell. Uh, I think he's your best bet. Uh, I think he's learned his lesson. He'll stay away from the law. I say that begrudgingly and hopefully. Don't know that for sure. Yeah, David Johnson is, of course, the other like clear-cut favorite running back. You, I, I don't think you could go wrong with either of those guys. I think Le'Veon Bell is a better athlete and uh, better player, but you do have a little bit of an injury concern with him as well. And DJ is everything Arizona has. Yeah, now exactly. He's kind of old. Yeah, he, and he's literally everything for the Cardinals. Last year, he had 1,200 rushing yards and almost – 900 receiving yards, um, so and he had four receiving touchdowns and 16 rushing touchdowns, so a huge threat um, on both sides, just like Le'Veon Bell is. And he's a bit of a bigger back, so uh, he'll, he, he will get a, a few more attempts than Le'Veon will. And um, they just drafted James Conner, so he, he might use a little attempts. I don't really know. Uh, I think the Cardinals still have Chris Johnson back there to yeah. to spell uh, David Johnson. So both of them have a nice little uh, core around them to work with so they can get their rest. So I think you can't really go wrong with either I of those guys. we might have to do a handcuff segment when we run out of positions. Handcuffs are important. Mm-hmm. you got to remember this. James Conner's going to be a good one, obviously. Yeah. Um, all right, so we have the next one. I have the don't reach, please category for <laughs> running backs because everybody every year feels the need to go out and grab somebody way earlier than they need to when they could get a wide receiver or they could get a tight end. They go out and they pluck that running back in the first round. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about Jay Ajayi for this one. Uh, I mean, he was great for fantasy owners last year from time to time, which was part of the problem. Uh, in his four games that he performed above 20 points in fantasy scoring, um, he had 100-plus yards in those games, and he had five of his eight touchdowns in those games. In the games that he didn't go over 100 yards, uh, here were some of his total uh, rushes. 48 yards, 45 yards, 42 yards, 53 yards, 28 yards, 14 yards. The inconsistency is just too much there. And a lot of magazines and a lot of experts this year are going to tell you that Jay Ajayi should be a number one running back. I think he is an edge or flex at a number two at the best. I just think there's not enough sample size there to give him that gig for your team. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with Jordan Howard, the running back for the Bears. He's been in the league a couple of years now, and um, he ha- he's one of those guys where if you look at his stats, they're misleading because they look pretty good when you look at just his season stats. But, all garbage time. But, yeah, if you look at it game by game, it's garbage time and then a few explosive, like, 35-point weeks. And then you look at the rest of it, they, there's a bunch of times where he just gets completely shut down. And if you have – if you are going to reach for him to be a running back one or two, um, that's – that's going to be tough because you you need to expect your starting running backs to be able to get you at least like ten points. Like he needs to be able to get at least seventy five yeah, yards yeah. or you, so. You need fifteen to twenty from your number one based yeah. off the usual statistical data, and then you need ten to fifteen from your two. Yeah, if you want to win consistently, obviously on a week to week basis, any freaking thing can happen. Mm-hmm. We've all seen that. Yeah, I feel like if you draft Jordan Howard too early, you're going to be putting your eggs in a basket that you're only going to be rewarded for every third week yeah. or or less. And you need consistency to win. Yeah. Especially when you get to the playoffs and it's one and done. Yep. 
Um, next up, we got the underrated running back this year. I'm going with Todd Gurley. I think he's flying under the radar after just a horrible season all around for the L.A. offense, no longer the St. Louis Rams. Mm-hmm. Still getting used to that. But I think he has a bounce-back campaign in him. Uh, he'll have a new offense, a new head coach. Uh, I do think that Jared Goff having a year under his belt will give him time to maybe open up the offense a little bit more for, is it McVoy? Is that the guy's name? Hmm? The Redskins offense coordinator? McVay. And he'll bring a, you know, a little bit of spark to the uh, offensive system for the Rams. So I just think Ty Gurley, I think he had good games and flashes of it last year, but he got bogged down from just a, a bad traditional offense of Jeff Fisher handing him the ball 30 times a game and just going between the tackles. You need to mix it up. Um, what is what was this one called again? The underrated. The underrated. Okay, yeah, I'm going to go with Devontae Freeman for the Falcons. A, a lot of people aren't really thinking about drafting a Falcons running back because everybody knows the type of numbers Matt Ryan just put up, yeah. uh, winning the MVP, of course. Um, but I had Freeman on my team last year, and he was great. He had um, over 1,000 yards rushing, 462 receiving yards, 13 total touchdowns. So he was a very reliable uh, – he was my RB2. I had – well, I kind of had two RB1s. Him and DeMarco Murray were both really great for DeMarco me last Murray season. Nice last year. But um, – but Devontae Freeman, um, the only thing to be worried about with Devontae Freeman is when Tevin Coleman comes in. He was a thief last season. I hated him by the end of the year. He was snagging all kinds of uh, of like garbage time touchdowns and stuff from Freeman. Oh, my God, it made me so mad. That's like a couple years back I had Jeremy Hill. Yeah. And then you got Giovanni Bernard, and now you have Joe Mixon. Yeah, I'm staying out of the Cincinnati running back game. Oh, me completely. too. Don't me want to too. touch it at all. Probably going to be the same way with Carolina with uh, McCaffrey and Stewart. But mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. I'm in a weird spot this year drafting at five. I haven't really put too much thought to it. But now for sleepers, I put down two sleepers just because these are usually wrong or they're just so generic mm-hmm. that they could be right. So I put down two just to make myself seem a little bit more credible in the listeners' ears. The first one I'm going with is Eddie Lacy. And I just say this because out the gate, no one's going to want to pick him. He's going to be on your waiver wire for a while, but he will be a starting running back next season in the NFL. He'll have the starting job with Thomas Rawls, and I think that he will eventually beat out Rawls just because he was kind of a flash in the pan. I think if Eddie Lacy sticks to his weight program, he's met every single weight objective so far this offseason uh, mm-hmm. set by the Seahawks. I think he can be a decent running back in an NFC West that you know is deteriorating defensively. It used to be one of the strong suits, but now they're playing the 49ers and the Cardinals, both those uh, and the Rams. The Rams have an okay defense, so I think that Eddie Lacy is an option. And then I think that Dalvin Cook in Minnesota is another good option because they love to run the football. Obviously, you've seen Adrian Peterson in the last decade. I think that under Zimmer. Uh, it's going to take a while for Cook to get established, and he may not start at first because that's why they have Latavius Murray. But I do think eventually Dalvin Cook will become the starter in about week seven or eight. He could be worth a look in your waiver wire. Um, <clears throat> I think one guy to keep an eye on this season could be uh, Amir Abdullah. He, of course, uh, was injured last season. I feel like we've been saying that forever. And, yeah, but I think... He, uh, whenever he was with Wisconsin, that was a very like pro style offense. Yeah. Um, and I think he's a good player. Uh, the Lions need a run. They 
going to need a running back. Michael or Matt Stafford can only throw so many times a game. Jim um, Bob. Yeah, but Amir Abdullah, he's still young, only 24 years old. Um, or not Wisconsin, he was at Nebraska. Same colors, I always mix them up. Yeah. They play literally the exact same way yeah, of football Melvin as Gordon well. Yeah, Melvin was the uh, yeah. Wisconsin man. But yeah, Amir Abdullah, and he, he almost won the Heisman that season, to his, yeah. his last season there too. So I think he's still a player that has a lot of talent. Um, and if he can get back from this injury... He could be a guy that you could snag late. All right. Well, that is our mediocre fantasy running back. Take it with a grain of salt. Please read and research other things. <laughs> Don't let us be your sole outlet. If you do, your draft board's going to look a lot like mine, and uh, that could be good or bad. I probably won't share many of my secrets with the world, so I'm giving you guys all the false <laughs> leads right now. All right, that moves us on out of the gritty finish to finish off the show here for the Ballad of Ryan and Josh Part 2. Uh, thank you for sticking with us if you're still here. And here we go. Phil Jackson, with his actions of trying to trade Porzingis, was he trying to get fired? <laughs> I don't think he was trying to get fired. I just think he has no idea what's going on anymore. Uh, see, I, I think that too, but like honestly, like he was just like, how can I get fired? All right, I threw Carmelo out under the bus. <laughs> they loved it. New York loved that shit. Yeah. <laughs> just like, oh, yeah, Phil Jackson, you got it. He's like, okay, fine, I can't do that. <laughs> Fall asleep at a develop, uh, developmental like player thing. No, it didn't work. <laughs> Trade Porzingis. Yep, you're out of here. James Dolan, get the fuck out of here. You're done. I, I Just with all that stuff, it just made me seem like he didn't want to be the president anymore of basketball operations. I don't know. I think I saw something that said... Uh... He made like fifty thousand dollars a win last yeah, year for yeah. the Knicks. Like he you know, robbed he's gonna those make, people. He's gonna make sixty million in total, and he made eleven million total coaching the Bulls all those years. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about extortion. He wins. He extorted them. That's the greatest heist of our lifetime. Is Phil Jackson? All right. Next up, we got. Is there enough ball to go around in the Space City of Houston? No. That was a stupid trade. Like we were saying earlier, it's just panic in the NBA. Uh, terrible oh. trade. Oh. Oh. <laughs> ah, Warriors, uh, <laughs> give us every player you have. <laughs> yeah, it's a terrible trade. They need more basketballs. Are you at least intrigued? No, it's not going to work. <laughs> it's there. I I texted somebody this earlier. It might have been you. I think it might have been my friend Daniel from school. I was like, there one uh, one of them is going to demand a trade less than halfway through the season. Like, there's no way that's going to work. Unless they're, like, best friends and just somehow make it work. I hope they get Carmelo involved. That would be that's hilarious. even worse. All right. Uh, tomorrow, Confederations Cup. Germany plays Mexico in the semis. Who you got? Uh, I don't care. <laughs> I got, Germany. I'm going to go with Germany. I think Mexico will get waxed. Yeah, I think they'll get waxed. Uh, all right. Miguel Montero optioned the day after he blames Arietta. Thoughts on that? <laughs> the Cubs are spiraling downward. They're a mess. They're head cases. Uh, a side note, Miguel Montero blames Arietta for those seven uh, stolen bases. He's 0 for 31 trying to pick off people from a home to second this year. So he needs to look so in the mirror. Miguel. And make that change. <laughs> I'm starting with the man. Miguel Montero <laughs> is the uh, Michael Jackson of the MLB. Uh <laughs> Atlanta Hawks renovations just come out with a new story. They will be the first NBA franchise to feature a courtside bar. I love it. I think it's genius. It kind of reminds me of like uh, 
a lot of NFL teams have started to do like the party decks and stuff mm-hmm. where they'll just rip the seats out and have like a bar standing only area. And I like that uh, the NBA is like thinking about doing it. But the fact they're doing it right next to the court, that's really hype. I imagine it's going to be pretty expensive. Like I'm curious to see how they'll do tickets for that. Like will you have like just a bar ticket or will you have like a seat? Is that going to be like an area people can like come and go yeah, from? I don't, I don't really know how it's going to work. So I'm interested to see that. I feel like – you're probably going to have to buy a ticket to that, like, area, and you have to stay in that area. But will see. Very intrigued. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> what NBA player off the top of your head do you think benefits the most from having a courtside bar? J.R. Smith. Yep. I was thinking the exact same thing. Henny God. <laughs> Henny God takes off his shirt, rails a few shots, leaves, goes oh, back on the floor. They should probably only sell Hennessy at that bar in Atlanta, by the way. Hennessy, Ciroc, and, like, Goldschlager. <laughs> yes. That's it. I just thought that was interesting. Uh, Tebow gets a hit in his first promotion game. Is it time to panic and start going Tebow crazy? No. Uh, <laughs> there's an article on Pretty Good Sports. Uh, Austin Verschel, our CEO and founder. Our boss. Our boss is our biggest dad. He has uh, – him and a couple other guys went to the uh, Hagerstown Suns game whenever the, uh, Tim Tebow came to town. They have an article about that. They were shouted out by a, a newspaper article from, I think it was Barry's Fulger or Svolga from the Washington Post. Uh, our buddy Albert was yelling like, good hustle, Tim, at like every single play, whether he was even in it or not. So check that one out on Pretty Good Sports as well. Tim, Tim Tebow sucks. <laughs> All right. Uh, does the Phil Jackson firing tarnish his legacy? No. I just think he never cared once about the Knicks position. I agree. I mean, it kind of makes him a punchline in New York, but he does yeah. have a lot of championships. No one over. Honestly, I, 10 years from now, I don't think anybody's really going to remember he was even there. Anybody outside New York. Anyways. Yeah. And Stephen A. Smith will never forget it. His yeah. rants were nuts. Uh, the University of Florida, with their win yesterday in the College World Series, is the first school with wins in football, basketball, and baseball. Does that impress you? It does. I didn't know that they were the first to do that. I'm surprised. That is pretty impressive. They have always been a really balanced school. I, uh, I used to think they were just a football school, and then it seems like, oh, their basketball team's randomly good every once in a while. Mm-hmm. and They got the guy that shoots yeah. underhand. Yeah, so you have Barry's son. Yep. So, yeah, they're... Uh, good for Florida. I didn't know that. All right. Uh, here's a question for all the New York fans out there. The next team to win a title, the Knicks or the Jets? Knicks. I I really don't know. I feel like the Jets are the Jets at least, are a mess. The Jets are a mess, but like they've already kind of begun their rebuilding. I think the yeah. Knicks are still in the middle. I don't know. I think the Jets, but it, it could really go either way. I just thought that was an interesting question that I saw on Twitter that uh, no one really had a good answer mm. to because they're both so far away. Yeah. Um, next up, there is now brief jerky underwear, meat underwear that is edible. Are you intrigued? No. No? No. You don't want to wear meat underwear or have no. your lady wear meat underwear? No. I don't like it. <laughs> You don't want to have your cake and eat it too. Beef jerky's pretty damn good. Yeah, I really good s- smell like sitting out all day or something. Well, no, it comes in like a vacuum seal and you put it on. It's kind of like know. how beef jerky is now. It sits out there yeah. for a while. I don't know. It scares me. Would it make you feel better if it was teriyaki? Yeah. All right. <laughs> I thought. 
I might have to look. I want to see how much they are, actually. I might buy <laughs> a pair for Billy for his birthday. Oh, truly, <laughs> Bob. Billy. Uh, all right, so uh, thoughts on the new three-on-three league with all the old geezer NBA players? I liked it. Um, I would probably recommend people only watch the last, like, 15 points of every game because it's, like, no defense at all. But I was watching it uh, on Monday night, and the uh, the very first game they showed, it was pretty... <sighs> Sorry, it's been a long day. <laughs> it was a pretty uh, good game, and... Uh, especially the last like ten points were really really exciting, really close. I'm it's nice to see them actually trying, and it's a short season, so I think that every game they'll show some effort, especially when it gets to the end and money's on the line. All right, last one before the tracks of the week. What do you predict Lonzo Ball's two K rating will be in the next game? Mm, I think I don't know because two K sometimes changes like their scale like of what's really good, but if they use like the same scales like last year. I think it'll be like like a seventy five or so. I was thinking like a seventy five to a seventy eight. Yeah. Because last year the the thing I read is that Ben Simmons was a seventy nine, mm-hmm. so it'll probably be somewhere in that range. But uh, Lavar seems to think it'll be an eighty three. I think that's generous. That's really generous. But what do you expect from Lavar Ball? Like, yeah, he's in WWE now. As yeah. If I hated WWE enough already. Yeah. And do you see he, like, took his shirt off? Yeah, he took his shirt off and, like, flexed on him. That's yeah. Like, this is a mess. Also, he, Austin the way really he excited. ran into the arena was really, really weird. Yeah, I hated everything about it. But I already hate WWE a tremendous amount. Mm-hmm. So that moves us now to the track of the week. My track this week is going to be the General by Dispatch. Go on, you are forgiven. Thank you. I'm glad I'm forgiven. Yep. Um... My track of the week is from Vince Staples' new album, Big Fish Theory. I don't know if you've listened to it yet, Josh. You haven't. It's pretty good. It's pretty short. Yeah, it's short. It's only thirty six minutes. The there's a song on there with Juicy J called Big Fish, and uh, pretty good track. Uh, I'm sure you'll be hearing it a lot. Juicy J songs tend to get pretty big. Also, I learned a fun fact. I don't know if you knew this because I didn't know this. Did you know Project Pat is Juicy J's older brother? I did know that. I didn't know you that. You told me that the other day. Oh, well, that's, that's the only reason yeah, I know. Yeah, that's crazy. I didn't know that previously. Yeah, I'm surprised. Well, there you go, folks. Thank you for tuning in to the Gritty Sports Podcast. We're going to take a week off next week. I'll be at the beach, and John will actually be at the beach for like a half week next week, too. So we'll be back and better than ever in about two weeks, hoping for some interviews to come up and hopefully some more to talk about. Go team. Go teams. Hi, Deb.